a government official in Central Asia, came to know Jesus and realized that in order to honor the Lord, he needed to stop demanding bribes as a part of his job. He and his family experienced some big consequences because of his choice. Aaron Miller tells us the story. They were going to be evicted from their apartment. They had no money for rent. The Muslim landlord was coming and saying, you need to pay us rent, you need to pay us rent. They had no money. Um, They even said they didn't have food on their table at that time. And so they gathered their children and they started to pray. We'll hear how God answered that prayer today on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio today with Aaron Miller. He is the Regional Director for Latin America and Central Asia here at The Voice of the Martyrs, which... Seems a little bit like an odd combination, but hey, it works for us. Aaron's recently back from Central Asia, and we're going to meet some of the people that he met on his trip, some of our brothers and sisters there. Aaron, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Todd. It's good to be back again. As we share these stories, and I want to be up front with our listeners, we are going to change the names of these people for their protection. So uh, we're going to talk about Rebecca, but just know that is not her real name. But if you pray for her and her work, uh, God knows exactly who you're talking about. So we want to encourage you to do that. Aaron, tell us a little bit about Rebecca, because she has quite an amazing story, and, and Voice of the Martyrs has been walking with her, not just for a few months, but literally more than a decade. Uh, yeah, Todd, this this is one of those stories that is good to be a part of because we have been walking with this sister for so long. It was my first time to spend a lot of time with her. I've heard her story multiple times from people. To kind of give a, a brief recap of what we've been doing with her and how we've been walking with her through the years. Her husband was killed, I want to say 15 years ago now, and we've been helping her through that. The story came to us and her information came to us and and we began to give some support and help her really grow through that time, but also continue in ministry. And I'm super excited to let our listeners know that this this sister has grown through this and she is still involved in ministry and really doing some incredible things. This is a the story that touches me personally because I went and interviewed her about a year after her husband was killed. Wow. He was shot through a window, the front room of their home that also served as the church. So they would have people come and gather in their home in the front room. And so we sat in the room where he had been shot and killed and interviewed her, there was still a bullet hole in the window wow. uh, that they had just kind of taped over. And so when you talk about her, it's very it's very personal to me. It re- I remember very well sitting in that room. And at that time, it was just a year later. And the, the grief was still very palpable. Yep. You found that that grief is still there, but yes. there's also a sense of joy. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. As I sat with her, um, in in this little apartment in Central Asia, 
uh, we sat for probably three, three and a half hours, and it was just sitting at the feet of, of a godly woman as she talked. You know, she talked about what a gift her husband was, and you could see there was still grief, even mm-hmm. this many years later, you know, what a gift he was to her from God and, and how he was a, an example and a model in ministry. I mean, those were her words that she was sharing. And then she talked about asking the Lord, you know, why is this path so hard? And and you got to see her when she was in that really hard yeah. place on that path. But then as we as we continued to talk, she shared some things about how God has used her and taken her through that so that now she's ministering to women who've gone through very difficult circumstances as well. And she talked specifically about how that prepared her for the ministry that she's doing now. And she says this, not just us, all of that pain and suffering, God is now using every single drop of that in ministry. Yes. So she she was sharing. And, you know, when when you sit with someone like this who's gone through such trauma, but they've stayed faithful, there are these these moments where they say something and it's like a highlight in my mind. I'm like, I want to grab that (laughs) quote. I want to grab that down. (laughs) Exactly. And so she made a comment. She said, I asked the Lord when this first happened to my husband, why is this such a hard path? And then we talked, you know, for several hours and towards the end, she came back to that comment and she said, you know, but I've been working with women who've gone through brokenness and I've been working with women who, who are suffering and I'm, I'm more equipped to do that now. And then she said this incredible statement that I just wanted to like broadcast all over the world, which thankfully through this, we <laughs> Here's can. Here's your chance. That's right. She said, as I look back, it's a path I would choose. It's a blessed path. I mean, you, you think about that, the weight of that comment is just incredible to me. She, you know, she went through this difficult thing and she looks back now and she said, you know what, now because I've seen how God has used it to bless women, to bless people in my country, to help me be a better minister of the gospel, I would choose that path now. It's a blessed path. I mean, I almost wept right there just listening to this woman share this from her heart. And as we think about that, I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine saying I would choose to have my spouse killed in wow. the front room of my house. That's right. Because look what God has done. Look how he's built on that experience. Uh, I hope that's an encouragement to our listeners who may be going through a difficult path that there's a plan for this. Absolutely. You, you can't see it right now, but there is a plan. The other thing I the reason I wanted to talk about Rebecca and her amazing story is that here we are more than a decade later, Voice of the Martyrs is still yep. walking with her. And I'm so pleased to give our listeners a little picture of that, that, you know, we don't just go in right after her husband was murdered and say, man, we feel really bad about this. Maybe we can help with your funeral expenses. God bless you. We're helping her in ministry and walking with her that's 15 right. 15 years later. That's, I mean, that's the goal, right? We We want our brothers and sisters, as they go through these hard things, you know, we want them to remain faithful. We we cheer them on to remain faithful. We encourage them as we go. We pray for them. And and our listeners pray for them and our, our readers pray for them. And and I can just say that this is one of those stories where we just want to stand up and, and clap and cheer and say, yes, it, it, it's working the right way. You know, she's staying faithful. She's ministering to women, which I have a story of a lady she's ministering with right now. 
and and it's just it's like just everything we want to celebrate. I mean, in this yeah. story, let's talk about her work and especially her friend Rachel that's helping her in ministry. You mentioned the fact that Rachel got a driver's license, and she yes. was very excited about this. <laughs> Why is that so significant? Why is this driver's license a, a tool for ministry? So Rachel was working up to getting a driver's license in this country, and it's very difficult. Number one, it's it's a very male-dominant culture. It is a Muslim culture, but it's also just a culture where it's hard to be a woman, um, you don't get a lot of respect. There aren't a lot of opportunities. And so she was very excited to share with us that she had received her driver's license. I think she said after three months of studying and preparing. Wow. And so <laughs> the reason, and it wasn't just, oh, I need a driver's license to get to the store. It was all about ministry for them. And and I want to share what she was saying. Uh, she said, it took me three months of learning. I wanted to get this driver's license because Rebecca needed help driving to the villages where we go to minister. And so it, it had a real point in ministry for her to get this driver's license so she could help, Rachel could help with the driving. They were dependent on Christian brothers to take them at times to the villages they go to minister to. And that just wasn't always convenient. And so they really wanted these two Godly women just wanted to be able to step out and go when God told them to go and not have to rely on anybody else. And so she was super excited to let us know that she got her driver's license for that reason. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're talking today with Aaron Miller. He has just returned from Central Asia, where he's been meeting with and encouraging and helping persecuted Christians there. Aaron, let's talk about Lydia. She is the widow of a pastor— uh, she was pregnant when he died, yet she continues in ministry as well. It seems like women were kind of a theme on this trip and how women are being active in ministry in spite of, you know, what we would look at and say, wow, there's there's a lot of reasons you shouldn't be active, you shouldn't be involved, or that it's impossible for you to be involved, and yet they persevere. Yeah. Todd, I think one of the things that really encouraged me on this trip was— and. and the Lord kept telling me, just kind of giving me these little nudges of look for ways the kingdom is advancing and to be in a Muslim culture, but then to see women who are advancing the kingdom through their obedience and through their faithfulness was amazing. I mean, it just really, really blessed me. And that's why I came back and I wanted to share these stories to bless others here. So Lydia when we walked into her apartment, just there was a joy and a brightness and such a spirit of hospitality that was incredible. Her story is is really, really tragic, like many. She was weeks away from giving birth to their third child when her husband suddenly died. And so she talked about how difficult that was. And, you know, we shared again for several hours about going through difficult things, walking through hard times in our life and how that increases our faith. And she shared that as well. I do want to say this This is a neat little thing. The daughter that was born after her father had passed away, never met him. She was adorable, cute, smiling, playful. She kept sneaking into the room where we were and grabbing sugar cubes out of a bowl that was sitting on the table. The sugar cubes were for the tea, but she kept sneaking them and just popping them in her <laughs> mouth. Now, now, her mother didn't see this. Her mother's talking to us. She's focusing on us. But... What that gave me was just this sense that 
man, things are normal. There's a sense of normalcy there that just is really encouraging. Uh, she's just a normal girl growing up in a normal home. I mean, so, so to speak, right? right? As, um, as normal as can be in that circumstance. And and we should say uh, Lydia's husband was arrested yes. and taken to the police station, interrogated. He died the next day, not in the police station. Correct. But what you heard from the Christians there is they're pretty sure— it was a direct result of something that happened. In yeah, the something station. happened in that interrogation the next morning. You know, he was a young man in fairly good health, and and the next morning just woke up with a sudden. They thought a heart attack. I don't know if there was ever any kind of official cause of death or anything like that, but he was just gone, very very suddenly. And so, what a state of shock for her yeah. and and the other two children to be in. But again, you know, just seeing her smile, and, and she, she quoted some scriptures to us that have been encouraging along the way. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3 just really blesses her, call to me, and I'll tell you great and mighty things. And she asked us, she said, you know, I, I, I want to continue in ministry here. I just want the Lord to keep directing me so I know how to minister and how to bless people here. And we typically finish up with how can we pray, but I want you to talk specifically about how we can pray for Lydia because hmm. the the concept of a single mother in that part of the world is really non-existent. There, there's wow. really no such thing as a single mother. So talk a little bit about some of the challenges that that brings for her because I think it'll help our listeners to be able to pray specifically. Absolutely. The the challenges that, that she and her children face are are quite big. You know, her kids don't get to go to school and share about their dad or anything like that. And so there's tons of cultural pressure on her as a single mom. Again, like you said, Todd, and they were sharing with us, this just isn't a concept in their culture. Her family has tried to marry her off. Now, she's a she's an adult woman, three children, and they're trying to marry her off. Her, her Muslim family members are trying to marry her off to uh, some kind of Muslim scholar or somebody who's higher up in, in the culture so that they can at least sort of restore the family name because she's really seen as, as a curse and as a shame, uh, as a shame on, on the, the family. family. So think about that. You're, you're a Christian mom. Your husband has been killed. And your family is trying to give, basically give you away to a Muslim. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So I just want to kind of give people a little a little picture of that so that they can pray for Lydia. One of the things that she talked about is how, how much she was encouraged by VOM. Yes. Uh, share a little bit. And I know, because I've been in that role too, you get to go and, and you're one person that gets to sit there, but right. there's thousands of people behind the scenes who gave and prayed and did all this. But what message did she have for the people who have blessed her? You know, um, we were able to help her purchase a car that she can get her kids to school. She can even take believers in the church to to, to different places they need to get to. And so, again, a, a woman getting a car, needing a driver's license in that culture is a big, big deal. And it gave her a real sense of independence and a sense of everything's going to be okay. So she was so thankful that the car could be purchased. And it was not a brand new car. It was just something that would fit in that culture and it would met her needs. But she was so proud of it. At the same time, we actually got to ride in this car. She drove <laughs> us around and was just so blessed to be able to kind of serve us in that way. She talked about how the people who gave for her to be able to continue to live, have an apartment, 
and then have this car, she just said, what an example they are of godliness and faithfulness and obedience. So here, this widow talks about the example that, that our listeners and others are to her with their obedience. So I thought that was kind of a neat perspective from coming from her. And the body of Christ in action. Amen. Uh, just, you think of, here's this woman whose Muslim family is trying to marry her off, and we, the body of Christ, the family of God, are saying, no, 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 she's part of our family. We'll look out for her. Amen. She doesn't have to be married into a Muslim family. She's part of our family. So I encourage you as you pray, pray for Lydia and her family. Let's talk about Abraham and Sarah. And again, we're talking with Aaron Miller. He is our Central Asia Regional Director here at The Voice of the Martyrs. He's just back from Central Asia. And as I mentioned earlier, we are using fake names for the stories that we're telling today in order to protect uh, the people that we serve in Central Asia. So, Aaron, let's talk about Abraham and Sarah. They have been persecuted because of their faith, but they're raising an evangelist. This is oh, part of their goodness. story that I love. This was so fun to, to be able to share. Abraham talked about having to leave their village. He and his wife came to the Lord in 2016. He came first a few months later, which is not always the case. You know, he was faithful to share with his wife, which is not always the case in that context, but he did. And so a few months later, she came to the Lord in 2016. And now they're raising their children in a Christian home. And so um, it, it was really cool to hear how they're doing that. But he talked about going back to his village, the village they had to leave. They had to flee because people were destroying their home. People were threatening them. And so they had to leave. And he talked about getting to go back to that village at times and how it made him sad. Uh, he would go by the house that they had, and it's just destroyed and kind of broken down now. And, and he talked about looking at his greenhouse where he used to raise cucumbers to, to sell for his income. It's just in disrepair now. Nobody's doing anything to it. People just kind of toss things at it, rocks and things. And, and it made him sad. But then, you know, he continued the story, and he talked about what a joy it was to stay faithful, the joy that their family has, where they're at now. And he talked about his second grade son, who is an evangelist. Then this was so cool <laughs> to hear him share. Before we get to the story of the son, let, let's is that the normal where persecution comes from in a lot of Central Asia? Is it, you know, that your neighbors say, well, wait a minute, if you're going to be a Christian, we don't want you to be our neighbor anymore. We don't want you to live here. Uh, we talked about Lydia, her family is trying to marry her off. Her family is putting pressure on her. Is that the normal persecution? Is it more government-based? How does... You know, Todd, it's really both. In some places, we do we do see more that it's the community leaders and not so much the government. But in Central Asia, we really see both. The community leaders will come against a family, force them out, not want them around, not include them in things, even to the point of harming them, threatening them, taking over their property, things like that. But then you also have, because these are former Soviet places, they have a, a remnant or what would consider, be considered even today sort of like the KGB that used to be there. And so you have these police forces or religious affairs offices that also do pretty intense interrogations. They can hold people for lengths of time, really intense questioning, trying to get information from them. So... Almost everyone I talked with 
They, they speak in very hushed tones when they're talking to you, even if you're in a home or a secure place. They're very, very cautious with who they talk to and who they share information with. So with, with that as the backdrop, thinking about that, being cautious, now let's talk about the second grade son who seems to not be cautious. Oh, my goodness. So this second grade son, now, again, he comes out of a Muslim context. Dad and mom were former Muslims. Now they follow Christ. So they know the Old Testament. They know the prophets, and they know a lot of the Old Testament stories. And he's going to school, the second grade boy is going to school, and he's sharing about the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament prophecies and promises that point to our Lord Jesus Christ. He's sharing about this at school with other second graders and other students, completely within the hearing of teachers and and others. That's so challenging to me because sometimes I'm shy and I live in a free country. Here he's in a restricted nation and he's being bold in second grade. The other thing, though, that comes to my mind is he clearly, because his family came to faith in 2016, he's old enough to remember before Christ. Yes. Clearly, he's excited about the new situation for his family because he wants to share. Exactly. And the dad talked about how it's like my son has no fear. <laughs> and, and, you know, that just doesn't happen. I think he's seen his dad. Now, they've gone through some hard things. So maybe there was a moment of fear or there was a, a day or two of fear and, okay, we need to move. So it doesn't say they never feel afraid, but they overcome that with their faith. And I think that's what's so encouraging to me as a believer. No matter what situation I'm in, I may have feelings of fear in a certain situation, but I can overcome that with faith in Christ. And I think that just blessed me. And as you talked about, just focusing on on the small, focusing on the little steps that advance the kingdom. Here's a second grade boy on the playground at recess telling a friend about Jesus. The kingdom moves forward. Exactly. I, again, this, this was something that the Lord kept telling me on this trip. As I would have my quiet times, as I prepared for this trip, he kept telling me, don't focus on the big. Don't focus on these large movements or, or big numbers of people. Focus on how my kingdom is spreading in small steps of obedience, one at a time. And again, this second grader on the playground or at his school, he's advancing the kingdom in Central Asia, one person at a time, one story at a time. He's doing it. And the challenge, obviously, for us and for our listeners is what are we doing? How are we advancing? And again, it's not you know, I, I marched a thousand miles today. It's That's what right. one step did I take? What one person did I talk to? We're talking with Aaron Miller. He is just back from Central Asia. And uh, Aaron, we're almost out of time, but I want to hit one more family. Caleb and Deborah, we call them. Interesting story about Caleb coming to faith because it really affected his livelihood. Yeah. So, so Caleb, brother Caleb is a former policeman in this, in this country. And the police system there is one of bribes, not that won't surprise a lot of our listeners. They're, they're not surprised by that. The way it worked in this place was you get bribes from people and you pass them to a portion of that to your superiors. And the people that are under you as a policeman will get bribes also from people and they'll pass a portion of that up to you as their supervisor. Well, when he came to faith pretty quickly, Something happened. He became convicted by this. So uh, the Holy Spirit began working immediately in his life. 
And he realized, I can't do this anymore. I can't be a part of that system. So he stopped taking bribes from the people under him, which they were pretty happy about. Yeah. They're like, okay, <laughs> I'll hold on to that money. No problem. But then he didn't have bribes because he wasn't personally taking in bribe money. He didn't have anything to pass on to his superiors. So this caused quite a stir with them. They were not happy about right. that part of his new... When you start messing with people's income, they, That's they take That's exactly right. So they were a very wealthy family. They were doing very well. This is a good job. He was well-respected in the community, even though he was taking bribes. Um, and, and he lost all that. His family, he and his wife lost all that. And he began driving taxis. And again, one of those comments that just was a bullet point for me, just a highlighted comment came out, was his wife, she talked about him driving his taxi, and she said, when he's driving his taxi, he just can't keep his mouth shut about Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anybody who gets in that taxi is hearing about Jesus. Now, because of what God had already been telling me about the kingdom advancing in these small steps... In my mind, immediately, I said, well, here's the kingdom advancing in Central Asia, one taxi ride at a time. One taxi ride at a time. And oh, that our wives would say about us, he can't stop talking about Jesus. He just can't, a, he can't help himself. Yes. We need more Christians like that in America. Yes. So what has come out of this great loss, yes. financially, yes. reputation-wise, are they distraught? Are they discouraged well, out of that? So so it's amazing because he started driving this taxi. He had to move the neighborhood and the section of the city because the the other taxi drivers and the people in that in those communities just got upset with him. He was just talking too much about Jesus and this faith thing. And so he had to go to another section of the city and, and drive taxis there, you know, and so so he it, he won't stop what he's doing. Right. He just moves to another place. <laughs> I love that. It's just like not an option to, to stop talking about Jesus, right? Well, and it, that also is a little picture of the pressure. Yes. If if the taxi driver pulls up and I see that he's a Christian, I say, oh, I'm not taking a ride with you. Exactly. I'll wait for the next cab. So, the, so they are definitely struggling financially right now. Now, a really cool thing that happened in their life. We didn't know about this family. We haven't known about them for a long time. Like Sister Rebecca that we were talking about earlier, you know, we've walked with her for quite a while. This family is a newer family that we've gotten in touch with, but the timing was so critical. I just want to share something with you. They wrote and just said, thank you so much for giving at the time that you gave. The information came to me and my staff that we needed to help this family, and this was their story. Of course, it's a great testimony, so we said, yes, we need to get involved with them. But they were in a situation where they were going to be evicted from their apartment. They had no money for rent. The Muslim landlord was coming and saying, you need to pay us rent, you need to pay us rent. They had no money. They even said they didn't have food on their table at that time. So they asked the landlord, not for a month, not for a week, they said, give us one day. The landlord, I guess, thought that was harmless enough. So, okay, I'll give you one day. And so they gathered their children and they started to pray. And they prayed that God would answer. I don't know when God had to get the whole email communication going <laughs> in time to get the money to them. But as they prayed, 24 hours they had. They prayed with their kids. The landlord comes back the next day. Our contact in that area had just delivered money to them. 
Now, there's a lot that goes into getting money overseas into some of these places. Todd, you're aware of that. I I hope our listeners understand that. There's a lot of things that have to happen. And it's incredible to me that it got there at just the right time. The landlord's coming to kick them out, coming to evict them that day. Because there's no way you would have more money today than you had yesterday. Absolutely not. And they could joyfully tell the (laughs) landlord, here's your rent money. Here's the money that you need. And this Muslim landlord is just taken aback, shocked. And they said, well, our God provided and provided through people we don't even know. Wow. What a testimony. And, and now, so I would say again, the kingdom is advancing, especially in the life of this Muslim landlord. Mm-hmm. Just one testimony like that at a time. And it's just happening all over the place. Well, the other thing I think about is those children who sat on the floor and prayed, Lord, we don't have a way to to solve this problem. That's right. You need to step in. It's incredible. And the next day, money shows up. Those kids, the next time they have a problem, what are they going to do? They're going to pray. They're going to pray. God answers prayer. Amen. This is the amazing work that we get to do here at The Voice of the Martyrs is be not just the hands and feet of Jesus, that's part of it, yeah. but be the hands and feet of American Christians to Absolutely. go and say, hey... We understand you're in a rough spot. We understand that your faith has cost you your job. It's about to cost you your apartment. We want to help out with that. So, Aaron, as we close, as we always close, we want to equip people to pray. Let's think about, and we've talked about specific situations, but let's think more broadly about the church in Central Asia. What are the biggest challenges? What what are the things we can pray for? You know, the things I noticed is that they are under a lot of pressure. They are very cautious on who they share with, who they talk with, and and even churches or groups within the same city or within the same country or region, they won't fellowship with each other because they just don't know who's an informant, mm-hmm. who's going to share. It's too risky. Exactly. And so it, that's very, very difficult for them. So please pray for them just in the midst of that pressure that they could continue to number one, reach out and share with non-Christians, but that they could also trust each other in a way and, and know who to trust and how to have fellowship properly. I just think they need that kind of that kind of fellowship. So we need to pray for that. You've been listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We've been talking about Central Asia. We've also been talking about some of the ways that Voice of the Martyrs gets to help Christians who are facing persecution You can donate to help out with that. If you come to vomradio.net, there's a little button that says donate. We'd love to have you help uh, deliver rent money to persecuted Christians in Central Asia or help a vehicle for a widow whose husband was killed. Those are things that you can do. So come to vomradio.net. If you're just joining us, you can listen to this entire interview again, as well as other interviews from around the world to hear what God is doing Aaron, it is always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, You have encouraged us, and I'm so thrilled, especially to hear how Sister Rebecca is doing uh, all these years later. Thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Todd, it's always fun to be with you, and thank you for uh, what you do. Please pray for Christians in Central Asia this week. And like the brothers and sisters we heard about today, would you advance God's kingdom where you are? In a conversation, maybe an act of service, in some way, you can advance God's kingdom. You may not be able to travel a thousand miles, but you can take one step to share the gospel with a neighbor or a coworker. And I want to encourage you to do that this week. 
Next week, we're going to have one of the legends of the missions community, George Verwer, the founder of Operation Mobilization, will be here with us. I hope you'll join us to hear more about what God is doing around the world. That's next time right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.